Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Good morning, Thrive family. Good morning. It is so good to be here in this house, in this space, and in this place with each and every one of you. Last night, we had a great time, and what I told them is that it was my honor to be a servant addressing the servants, and uh, we just had um, an awesome time, and uh, I want you guys to know for every person that serves that um, you are loved and valued and appreciated, and and so it is just amazing to be able to come into a place like this and for most of you be able to sit where you're where you are seating and and where you are sitting and be able to uh, just engage in the gospel. And that is because there are people that have come early to greet and to make coffee and to uh, get ready for kids and to press buttons back there in the booth and to put on, you know, ear things with securities and all and to put on their shirts and all that. So that way uh, you can enjoy uh, being able to have uh, full attention to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we praise the Lord for the serve for the dream team here at Inspire. Amen. Amen. I love you, Pastor Chris, and I praise God for you and Vanessa. Where are you? I don't. Oh, for you and Vanessa, and uh, and I just praise God for the you, that you are going to uh, now understand the unique weight of what it is to be a lead pastor. And I praise God for Pastor Eric that he has done uh, just a phenomenal job under the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, through humility and really being the type of Christian leader and, and even just the type of Christian, the type of disciple that God has called us to be. And he has been a grand example uh, to not just you here at Thrive, but really to the body of Christ on what it looks like to raise up somebody, what it looks like to be able to pour into someone. And, and now you get to carry that weight. And there are going to be times where it will be filled with joy and times where not so much. And, uh, you know, but you'll, but it's yours to carry now. And, and you have a great pastoral staff and, and board that are surrounding you. And I trust that you, that there is a, that this church loves you. I know they do. Um, and, uh, I want you to know that Pastor Chris and Pastor Eric love you guys very much, very much. And so praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, my name is Roger. I'm the executive pastor at a church called Inspire. And last night I made, accidentally said Thrive. But anyway, at Inspire. And, uh, and, uh, and so it is so great to be here. Uh, at Inspire, the lead pastor is Philip Mwella. And some of you know him, and he sends his love, and you know his mother and his father, Mama Patty and Papa Phil, and they send their love, and and uh, anyway, and so it's just great, and I get to be there uh, co-laboring, um, and it has just been a phenomenal time there in the Bay Area, and uh, rent is something else, pray for us, but you know, I don't want to hear anybody here complaining. Y'all free, okay? You free, all right? Just know that. And so, but uh, no, I love it. It's beautiful there. Uh, married uh, to uh, a lady named uh, Rebecca, or we call her Becca, and uh, she's phenomenal. 
absolutely amazing woman. And I mean that, absolutely amazing. And don't know what she's doing with me, but it, it, she is just, just, it's incredible because really what it is, is through her is, uh, is where I kind of discover the grace of God every day. It really is. Um, and so, and I also have three girls, uh, three girls, and one is in sixth grade, um, which I don't know how they do it over here, but over there, that's middle school. And I'm not a fan of that. Now, listen, growing up, elementary school went to sixth grade. And now, over there, middle school's in sixth grade. And it just, it makes my heart cry because she's growing up so fast. And then I have a fifth grader. And then I have a second grader. Um, and, um, and so, and they keep me on my toes um, all the time. In fact, I just started doing this thing that, it, it's not new to anybody else but me, but you know, intermittent fasting, you guys have heard of it, right? I mean, you know, intermittent. Okay, and so, you know, what you do is, in case there's one person that's like me that doesn't know, right? Didn't know what that was. But basically you eat, you can only eat for like, it's like six to eight hours in the day. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's it. And then the rest of the 24 hours that are remaining, you cannot eat. Um, and it sounds easy, but it's not. <laughs> and my girls remind me of that. In fact, I had to change my whole eating regimen. You know, because used to what I would do is when I go to sit down and have dinner uh, or a meal is I would start with my vegetables. So I'd get like my mashed potatoes and my mac and cheese and, and you know, and, you know what I'm saying? And, made, you know, you know what I mean? And then, and then you get, and then your meats, you know, the pork chops and, and maybe some ribs or, or some chicken or, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? You just, you, and you get a few of that, a little, little bit of that. And, and, and you can even have some fruit and usually it's just like, you know, strawberries on top of ice cream, you know, with, uh, and so I had to change my whole regimen, you know, and, and so my girls keep me on my toes with that. And they're like, dad, now you're only supposed to have four scoops of ice cream, not eight. Remember you're cutting it, cutting it. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> the Lord has placed on Pastor Chris's heart this new theme, this series. It's not over. It's just beginning. It's not over. It's just Amen. beginning. Amen. And so I just thought I would be super creative and title this message, It's Not Over. <laughs> That's why we hire a creative team. And I did not use them for this. <laughs> it's not over. Can I offer you that Jesus is not just someone that we read about. He's not just someone that we make a movie about. But he is still alive and active. He is still seeking relationship with the hearts of men and women worldwide. He is very real. And he's coming back soon enough. But until then, you and I have a job to do, and that's to let other people know that no matter what it is that they are walking through, it is not over. Yeah. That if you are in Christ, if you are saved, if you are bought by his blood, if you are covered in his blood, if you are washed in his blood, you need to know that it is not over. It's not over. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna read John chapter 11, in fact, it almost seems too obvious to read this verse. But we're going to start there because if there was ever a place where it was over, this is one of them. If there was ever a place where it was over, 
This is one of them. John chapter 11, verse 1. Good stand. Can we, actually, what we're going to do is we'll stand for this first part, and then, but I'll read some more, and then you won't have to stand every time. We'll just do it at the beginning. Does that sound okay? Okay. John chapter 11, verse 1. It says this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured the perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. If you were here last night, you should shout amen. 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 So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Hmm. And he heard this, and Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, to God, to, uh, glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he heard that Lazarus was sick and he stayed two more days. Wait, let's read that again. It says, he loved, what does it say right there? Now Jesus loves Martha and her sister, which is Mary, and Lazarus, loves them, loves them. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What do you do when you're in a hurry, but God's not? What do you do, right? When you have, when you have something urgent that you're bringing to the Lord, and he's just not in a hurry about it. You know what I'm talking about? Like when, when you're like, the disciples on the boat and you know the storm and the hurricane's coming and all that stuff. Don't worry, I didn't forget you're standing. Don't worry. You're like, I thought you said I get to sit. J just hold on a minute. Remember when on the hurricane and they're all screaming, running around on top of the boat, they're dying and screaming and yelling and hollering because they're about to drown? And they go down and find Jesus where? Sleeping. sleeping. Yeah, sleeping. Right? And what do they do? They wake him up and they say, Lord, don't you even care about me? Don't you even love us? Don't you even care if we die? And what does Jesus do? He gets up, wipes the crust off of his eyes, you know what I'm saying? Kind of gets up and says, yeah, yeah, hold on. Goes up to the top of the boat. Waves are crashing, boat's stirring. He says, peace be still. Right? I mean, can you move any slower, Lord? And then he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. Let us go back to Judea. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word and I pray, Lord God, that we as your people will be receptive, Holy Spirit, of what it is that you would like to illuminate, what it is that you would like to highlight and deposit in us this morning. I thank you for all that you are doing in Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. and amen. You may be seated. 19 minutes, 25 seconds. I got it. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Beat the Baptist at the buffet. Don't worry, y'all. All right. Now look at this, verse 14 says, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now wait a minute, verse 14 he says that now Lazarus is dead. Now didn't he just say that this sickness won't lead to death? And now in verse 14 he says, oh, and Lazarus is dead. <laughs> this is almost an embarrassing passage to preach from. It almost is. Because doesn't it make look, Jesus look stupid? I mean, doesn't it make him look bad? He just said that Lazarus will not die from this sickness. And then, verse 14, oh, he's dead. 
Anyone confused yet? Let me tell you, in the Greek, that's what it says. There's no hidden message. He dead. Sickness, not gonna lead to death, and then it leads to death. And then look what he says. And then look what he says in verse fifteen. He says, "And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there." Oh, shady Jesus coming in, right? This is like Real Housewives of you know Jerusalem or something. Hey, Jesus, your your best friend, the one you love, he's sick. He's so sick, he's, he, he's just, you need to come, you need to hurry. He's really, really sick. It's really bad. Oh, don't worry, sickness, that's not going to lead to death. A few seconds later, oh, he dead. <laughs> I mean, that's how it reads in scripture, it's a few seconds, but really, you know. Right? And then he says, oh, he's dead. And I'm glad I wasn't there either. He says, for you, he says, and for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, so that you may believe. But I guess let's go to him, since you're being all pushy about it. <laughs> you're dragging me over, let's go. This is an interesting story, and it's one that most of us are really familiar with. And what's interesting here is that you guys know, I think, uh, for the most part, that what happens is Jesus ends up going to where Lazarus is, and as he is approaching um, the funeral, then you need to understand that these funerals happened for several days. It wasn't just an hour or two hours, but for several days. And at this point, everybody around the community ha has come to the house of Mary and Martha. At this point, several days had passed and, and everybody was there still and mourning with them and, and feeding them and, and everything else. And, and then Jesus comes on the scene. And when Jesus gets there, the Bible says that Martha went out to him, but Mary stayed in the house. She was upset. She said, I'm not going to go to Jesus. She was mad. Coming all late and everything. I'm not going to go to Jesus. No, Jesus, don't let Jesus come into this house. Jesus, there ain't nothing here for you. All the potato salad's gone. Macaroni salad's gone. Fried chicken's gone. All gone. All gone. There ain't nothing. Whatever's a little bit left for people that were here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Martha, and tell Jesus that I said that. I'm staying here. Bible says that she stayed in the house and Martha went out. What you need to understand is that God is not confined by your circumstances. See, we live in a society where they have elevated the self to be the, to reign supreme, to be the king of one's life, the self. Whatever it is you feel, whatever it is you think, whatever it is you determine to be right and wrong and good and evil. Well, it's the self is above all else. It's, it's what is this person doing for me and how are they impacting my life and how is my husband helping me and how is my wife helping me and how is this relationship helping me and how is my job gonna help me and it's all about the self and if I don't feel a certain kind of way and if I don't do that, it's become, the self has become king and, and now everybody can have a different kind of truth and a different kind of reality. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, so Mary finally came out, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you've been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
See, Martha went up to him first and Martha said basically the same thing. If you would not have been here, then my brother would not have died. And basically what Jesus tells Martha is, don't you know I am the resurrection? You'll see your brother again. Don't you know that I am the resurrection? I am the power. I am the life, you see. And then when Mary went to him, she reached Jesus and she just fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would, would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord. And they replied, verse 35, Jesus wept. Let me tell you something. If ever you need to just memorize one verse, you can just start here. Two words. If you can't do that, you need to come to the altar. We need to pray. Ain't nobody got an excuse not to memorize at least one, one verse. You can memorize this one. So they took away the stone, verse 31. So they took away the stone and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. <laughs> when he had said this, Jesus called with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. The devil can read your story, church, but he can't write it. You need to know that. And when Martha and Mary went to Jesus, I want you to notice how Jesus responded. When Martha went to Jesus and said the same thing, if you would have been here, then my brother would not have died. Mary went to Jesus and said, if you would not have been here, my brother would not have died. But how he responded to both was different. He told Martha, listen, I am the resurrection. You will see your brother again. He gave Martha truth. With Mary, he wept. You need to know that Jesus will always meet you where you're at. He'll always meet you where you're at. And, and, and God wants you to understand that what they needed then, you and I need now. See, what they needed then was somebody to intercede on their behalf. They needed some sort of voice. They needed some sort of advocate. And you and I need the same thing. We need an somebody that's interceding for us. We need an advocate on our behalf. And here's why. See, you and I walk around with this image in our head of what we hope to look like to other people, right? Uh, we, you know, we, we want to we hope that we look nice to somebody or that we look honorable or that we look like we're responsible or that we look like we're in charge or we got it together. We have this image in our head of how we want other people to see us. And if we don't look like that, then we're afraid. We're afraid. And so whatever that is, and that you're a lovable person, right? Or, or, or whatever the situation is, we have this image that we're trying to project. And deep down, we're scared that somebody won't see that projected image, that they'll see something deeper. That they'll see something deeper. And no matter how hard you may want to run from this, you have to know and you, you have to admit that you cannot live satisfied with your own evaluation of yourself. 
You cannot live satisfied with the own evaluation of yourself, your own verdict, your own pronunciation on whether you are right or wrong or good enough or whatever, valuable enough. You can't live with your own evaluation. You desperately need a pronouncement from the outside. For many of us, in fact, for all of us, our life is a trial. Our life is a trial. It's unavoidably a trial. Underneath all the efforts to get verdicts from people and verdicts about how we look physically and verdicts about how we're doing vocationally and verdicts about how we're doing morally and personally, we're all after verdicts. We're after pronouncements. We're after awards, after accomplishments. We're looking for a word from the outside, from somebody else. And underneath all of that, what we're really looking for is a word from the Lord of the universe. Because that's the ultimate bench on which we approach our lives, where we are arguing for a case. There is an ultimate court before which we all know that we stand on. And the real question is this, are you gonna go to court alone? When you go before the presence of God, do you go to that court alone? So often we see the television show where, you know, some sort of court case and, and somebody will say, well, I'm going to represent myself. Never done law. They're not a lawyer. They say, I'm going to represent myself. And then somehow in the movie they win, you know, most lawyers will watch that movie and say that never happens ever. <laughs> of course not. Why? Because you're going to want somebody that can advocate for you, right? You're going to want somebody that, that knows what they're doing. To be your own representative just does not work. You need somebody to stand and proxy for you to represent you on your behalf. And you need to know that we have an advocate. We have an intercessor and his name is Jesus Christ. You say, how is Jesus my advocate? The Bible says that right now, right now, this very millisecond, that Jesus is on the right hand of the Father interceding for you and for I. That word intercession means to advocate for. To advocate for. In other words, he is being like a lawyer to the Father on our behalf. And he's making a case for two types of people. He's making a case to two people. First of all, he's making a case to God. Do you know what he's doing up there? Do you know what he's doing by the Father when he's making a case to God, the Father, for us? He, he, he's going to him and he's saying, listen, uh, Father, you demand justice. You are a just God. And, and, and these people here, I died for them. They were guilty, but I made the payment. They, they are covered in my blood. And now I have paid a debt. I have paid their debt. And what I need is justice because it would be unjust to get two payments for the same debt. Therefore, because I made the payments for their debt, Jesus is there not just asking for mercy, but asking for the justice of God. The very justice of God. In fact, the very justice of God demands your complete embrace and acceptance, you see. So that's what he's doing. He's building the case. 
he, he's laying out the facts. He's saying, I died for this person. I died for him and I died for her. And, and now your justice demands that because I paid for their debt, that they are now accepted in you. But that's not the only person that he's presenting a case to. See, the other person that he's presenting a case to is you. Is you. See, every day you're making arguments and pleading a case, but, 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 but not just to everybody else, but you're also pleading a case to yourself. Because you and I, we know the sins of our own heart. And it scares us. We don't want people to see that. And it scares us. We don't want people to see that sometimes we get angry with God. That sometimes we're upset. Oh, no, no, no. We can't let anybody see that, especially in the church. Oh, especially in the church. You can't show anybody weakness. You can't let anybody know your temptations, your struggles. You can't let anybody know that or see that. Because who knows what would happen. But here we have Mary and Martha and they're being vulnerable in a way that most of us would never be. And here they are and they're coming before Jesus and they're saying, if you would have been here, my brother would have been alive. It's hard for us to be vulnerable like that. You know, if you're doing an interview or if it's your big debut of something, right? Or maybe you're looking for romance and you're going on a date, right? Whatever it is, you have to cover yourself a little bit you can't show everything, right? You have to minimize the bad things about yourself, right? You have to maximize the great things about yourself. We all do that. Nobody goes to an interview and the boss says, okay, well, you know, let, 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 let's talk about how you're going to do and, 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 and what your personality is. And, and maybe, maybe the boss might ask something like, you know, what's one of your weaknesses? What are your weaknesses? And you're not going to say laziness. <laughs> even though that'd be the truth, <laughs> right? right? No, nobody's gonna do that. If you're on a date with somebody, you're gonna talk about it, you know, you're not gonna just say, well, you know, I don't actually put my clothes in the hamper, I kinda just throw them on the ground. <laughs> Never happens on the first date, not even the third, right? Never happens. Why? Because we have to put our best stuff forward. That's how we are. That's how we are somehow trained within our culture to do this. But Jesus says, no, no, no. I want to see it all. I want to see it all. Because God sees your heart and he knows your thoughts and he sees your sin. And if Jesus is your advocate, it changes everything. And here's why. Tim Keller talks about what it means to be loved by God. And he says this, he says, listen, when we are looking for love, it's kind of strange because we, are, we want to be fully known, but truly loved. We want to be fully known, but truly loved. But we don't usually get that within another person. Usually with other people, we, if we are truly known, then we're not fully loved. Because, because if, if we were to really show somebody all of us and they were to really know all of us, there is a fear that, we, that they would reject us. But then the opposite is also true. If we show them everything, 
then the love is surface and artificial. But in Jesus, you need to know that he fully knows you and truly loves you. He fully knows you and truly loves you. And that changes everything. Because that's when you realize that the amount of spiritual power that you experience in your life has nothing to do with how much of him you have, but has everything to do with how much he has of you. And so here's your advocate with the evidence. And he's making a case for who you really are. He's making a case and trying to show you because when the negative script comes in and begins to feed you lies about who it is that you think you are, no, no, Jesus Christ says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me show you who you are. Let me give you your identity, you see. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at the feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have, been, would have died. They got upset because they believed the lie. In fact, they bought into the same lie that we buy into, which is this, you can't trust God. They bought the lie. They bought into the lie, the same lie that we buy into, and we buy into the lie, the same lie that Adam and Eve bought into. See, the, the, the real thing that, that, that Adam and Eve really fell into was this fact that they couldn't trust God. Did God really say? You see? And so what he, tells, what he tells them is he says, listen, take me to the place where you buried your brother. And so they took Jesus Christ there to the tomb. And he goes to them and he says, listen, he says, go and, and roll the stone away. And they say, well, Jesus, I don't, I don't know if you really want to do that, Lord. He's been dead for a few days now, and it stinks really bad in there. That's what it says. Smells of death. As if that scares Jesus. And so, and so you know, they go and they, they roll the stone away, and, 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 then, and everybody's there. Not just, not just Mary and not just Martha, but the Bible says everybody's there including the Pharisees. You see, when Jesus told the disciples, we're gonna go back there, come, let's go to where Lazarus, his disciples said, well, wait a minute, are you sure you want to? Isn't that the place where they just tried to stone you? Where your enemies just trying to stone you? He says, yeah, no, we're going there. And they didn't understand at the time why Jesus would take his time. Why after crying out and calling out would Jesus take his time? But Jesus said, no, no. See, my word said that this thing is not gonna ultimately end up in his death. I already spoke that. Now what you have to do is learn to trust. Don't buy into the lie. What you gotta do is learn to trust. Don't buy into the lie. I already said that it's not gonna end in death. And you're over here crying. Obviously you do not trust what I said. But he also was doing this in front of the Pharisees, in front of his enemies. See, and here's the point. If he would have done it too soon, his enemies wouldn't have been able to see the miracle. See, the Bible 
Bible says that God prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, that it's already prepared. You don't have to do anything. I love it when the table's already prepared. I love it when I get to walk in and the table's already there and the, 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 the forks are there and the spoons are there and the plates are there and the food is there and the drink is there. Everything's there and you just get to come in and sit and eat. I love that. And the Bible says it's already been prepared. That's what the gospel says. The gospel says it's already been done. There isn't anything you have to do. It's already been prepared. All the work's been done. To sit in this table does means that you don't have to work to do it. You don't have to earn your way to do it. That you do not sit at the table, at this table, at Jesus' table, because somehow you were good enough, or you checked enough religious boxes, or you did something right for so many years over and over again. No, it's not based on your work. It's already been prepared. But it's in the presence of your enemies. Your enemies get to watch you eat. Praise God. And so, and so, and so there in, in, in the midst of the enemies and, and everything else, Jesus is standing there. And Lazarus is for sure dead. But all of a sudden, you know, Jesus cries out and he first prays. He says, Lord, listen, <laughs> you know, we already know what's going on. You already heard me. We know. But for the sake of everybody else, I'm going to say this out loud. That's what he says. For the sake of everybody else, I'm going to say this out loud. And he stands there and he says, Lazarus, come out. Just one time. He'd have to say it several times. Just once. Lazarus, come out. And can you imagine the Pharisees, to their surprise, the enemies, to their surprise, the ones that wanted to see Jesus defeated, to their surprise, when they're there and they're waiting and they're listening to all of a sudden here. the Bible says <laughs> that he was still tied up that his hands were tied and that his feet were tied and that his face was wrapped that he was wrapped up in the garments of death but let me tell you that didn't stop him from coming out because when Jesus says it's not over it's not over what it is. 
I'm not saying it won't be hard. I'm not saying you won't cry. I'm not saying you won't get angry. I'm not saying there won't be emotions. But in the middle of all that, when it's all said and done, even in the middle of pain and suffering, you'll be able to say, my God is good. He is faithful and I can trust him because to the enemy, it may look like it's over, but to God, he said it's not over yet. Would you stand to your feet? I believe that the Holy Spirit, as he continues to guide this body into what it is that, that he placed on Pastor Chris's heart during this series, I pray that, that, that as a movement, what will happen is that we will be a type of people that even though we feel tied sometimes and bound sometimes, that the reality is, is that Jesus, Jesus has the final say. I want you to notice how Lazarus got the power to be able to come out. The Bible doesn't say he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. The Bible doesn't say that it was just sheer willpower. The Bible doesn't say, well, if he was really, really good, and if he tried really, really hard, let me tell you something, church. The answer is not, well, I'm just gonna pray even harder and I'm gonna read even more and I'm gonna try to be really, really good and really nice to everybody and I'm really gonna do it. No, 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 no. The answer is I am gonna get closer to Jesus Christ. Because it was him that called him. If it wasn't for Jesus, Lazarus wouldn't have been able to get up. Don't come over here with your religiousness and say, well, guess how many times I had to serve this month? And I get, it doesn't, yeah, well, I guess I'm just gonna go home and I'm gonna try to really behave. That'll last for about two days. Because the gospel is not behavior modification. The gospel is not, oh, if you just try really, really hard, that somehow you'll do it. Somehow you'll muster it up. Somehow you'll make it through. No, the gospel is not about what you can do can grasp that is to the degree that you can proclaim it's not over it's not over oh I know how it looks I know I know I know I know I know you have to sleep with the TV on and take you know those little gummy things to help you sleep and because it's just so much stress I know I know I know right I, I know I understand I understand how sometimes you just need to get away and, and so you'll just lock yourself in the bathroom just to get two seconds away from everything. I get it. I understand. I understand. I, I, know, I know what it is to, to have to figure out, okay, how are you going to help this mom or this dad that's dealing with dementia? I, I know. I know that, that, that for some, you, you, you suffer with depression and, and, and mental anxiety and social disorders. I, I, I know. For some of you, you're so busy scrolling through Zillow, chasing after the American dream, and it's stressing you out. I know. Because you gotta have it. You gotta have it. You gotta have the Netflix, and you gotta have the Amazon Prime, and you gotta have the HBO Max, and you gotta have the Hulu, and you gotta have the Paramount Plus, and you gotta have, you know, whatever it is, Peacock, and I, I, I get it. some of you, you wake up and, and it's, you just look at yourself and you're saying, what happened? I thought that by now, my life would have looked like this. 
Lazarus thought that he'd end up wrapped up in a tomb at the age that he was at. I know. But you need to know that circumstance is not predicated on the faith that God has given you. The joy and the peace that God has planted inside you through the power of his Holy Spirit, that does not fluctuate. What it says is this, is that when you're going through those situations, that in the middle of the crying, and in the middle of the frustration, and in the middle of being upset, in the middle of being confused, in the middle of feeling numbness or nothing at all, that in the middle of that, you can still know the truth that you can trust the Lord. That you can trust the Lord. Why? Because it's not over. It's not over. I know I went over, so I'm just going to do this. Can we just lift our hands right now? Right where you're at. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.